So today, we're starting a new series we just called Divine Direction. And I think every, every one of us at some point or many points in our life asked this question, how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I, how do I find you know, whatever it is, if, it, if there's a perfect thing or whatever that he wants me to do. Oftentimes we ask during transition. So for those of you who are getting close to high school graduation, you know, you're asking yourself the question, what do I do now? What's next? Or, or maybe, uh, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Uh, maybe for those of you in college, you're asking, hey, I'm, you know, next year I'm a senior or whatever. What, what's going to happen after school? Or maybe, maybe you're in a job, you've been in it for a while, and you're asking yourself the question, you know, do I, do I stay here? Do I, do I change jobs? Do I try to find another career? Maybe you're in a relationship and you're saying, hey, is this person I'm dating, like, is there a future here? Is this going to be my future spouse? Or maybe some of you are, are, are wondering, has God called me to a life of singleness? Maybe if you've, you know, recently experienced a divorce and you say, now what do I do? Like, how do I figure out what the right thing is to do? Or uh, maybe your kids have recently left home. Your empty nest. I, I, let me, can we hear from them empty nesters? Come on, let me hear from the empty nesters. You got empty nesters in the room? Yes. You should be a lot happier than that because your bills just went down. Though in, empty nesters, but you think, hey, wait a minute. I'm not going to like, you know, weekend ball games and doing all this. What does God want me to do with my life now? Or maybe you're um, close to retirement or have retired. And you say, man, I've got... You know, I've got this space in my life. How, how does God want me to use it? What's the, what's the right thing to do with it? And these are questions that we, we, always, we all ask at some point. And as a matter of fact, we as a church are asking this question right now. I'm sure those of you who, we have your email address, you got the email this week. Uh, Pastor Jeremy is transitioning out of Kingwood. You know, they, he's backslidden, and so he's going to be leaving. Um, I'm, totally, I'm totally joking. No, uh, he has a great opportunity, and we'll share that with you, and we're, we're grateful for, for him and grateful to God for the opportunity that's coming. So we'll talk more about that in the future. But it does bring us to this point in our church where we say, well, what do we do now? His, his future's clear. Ours is not. So how do we figure out what it is that God wants for our church? And these are great questions, and I think that we oftentimes ask them because we really want to do the right thing. And I wish that there was like an app that you could download and just push a few buttons and it would pop out, here's God's will. I wish that there was a, a button you could push, you know, like the, like the, who was it, the office supply that had the, that was easy. You know, you could just hit the button and out pops a little ticker with God's will on it. Or, or a little banner across the bottom third of your screen that would just say, thus says the Lord, you know do this thing or that thing or the other. I wish, it was, I wish it was that simple. I wish it was a one-step process. I need to know, God tells me, now I know, and that's the end of it. Um, and sometimes God directs us that way, but more often than not, he doesn't because it's a process. It's a discernment process. And we all want to know God's will and we all want to you know, make good decisions, but... Um, 
And we all realize that who we are today has everything to do with decisions somebody made yesterday. Right? And most of those, like for in my life, who I am today are a result of the decisions that mostly that I made. Now, there's a few other people that made decisions that affected my life, but most of my life today has hit the path it has because of choices that I made. So decision-making is very important, but it's also very stressful because we've all made bad decisions. How many of you have made a bad decision? I'm just looking for the perfect person. How many of you made bad, lift it up. How many made bad decisions? I'm just curious. It was a bad decision not to raise your hand. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> it was a trick. It was a trick all along. We've all made bad decisions. We've all, you know, had a moment like, man, I wish I wouldn't have dated that person. Or, man, why did I go in so much debt on that car? I wish I wouldn't have done that. Now, you know, that beautiful, shiny car that was so awesome, now you just sit in the driveway and stare at it. You think I'm mad at it. Yeah, but you know it's your fault, right? I mean, the car didn't do anything. Or, man, I wish I wouldn't have bought that house in a flood zone. You know, we, we've all made bad decisions, and we all know the stress and the pressure. And I think that in some ways making decisions is harder today than ever because we make more decisions than we have ever have because we have more options. It's been estimated that the average adult makes 35,000 decisions a day. So when you go to bed at night, if you're tired, you're really tired. You're not making it up because your brain is killing it all day long. Do I go to, you know, it used to be, do you get out of high school and it's like, well, what do I do? Do I, do I, you know, go get a job or do I go to college? And now the question is, well, can I even afford college? Maybe I'll go to junior college or I'll take school online or I'll take a gap year or I'll take a travel year. Maybe I'll just become a YouTube star and forget it all. Or, you know, maybe I'm just got this side hustle uh, that I'm trying to grow while I'm driving Uber to pay the bills, and maybe it's all going to grow into something one day. But there's a profound amount of decisions that we're faced with. Do, uh, what are you going to put your kids in, dance or piano, sports, which sport, all the sports, you're going to date, you're not going to date, public school, private school, which one of the 800 million college majors are you going to take today? Is it time to marry? Is it time to have kids? And we're overwhelmed and inundated with all these decisions. And sometimes we have this anxiety about decisions where we say, I just don't know what to do. And I'm afraid that I'm not going to know it was the wrong choice until it's too late. So then we freeze and sometimes do nothing. And for some of you, you go, man, I feel so much anxiety just listening to you today. <laughs> like just hearing all these you know, things raises your anxiety level. But here's what I want you to know, okay? There are two things that matter a lot to God. They're very important to God that will help us find divine direction. And these two truths are going to set the foundation for this whole series, all right? So if you, if you wanna write it down, great. You might remember it. And I'll go ahead and warn you today, today's message is gonna sound like a Dr. Seuss book. Okay, so here's the first one. Number one, who before do. You see what I'm saying? Dr. Seuss, one fish, two fish, blue fish. I mean, remember Dr. Seuss. Who before do. Here's what I mean by that. Who you are becoming is more important than what you are doing. We all tend to start life the other way around. 
We start with this great anxiety as if we're one big decision away from our entire life being everything it's supposed to be. If we could just get this one decision right about what we're supposed to do, that would somehow set us on the right course and fix everything else. But, but you see, it's no surprise that we're stressed about these decisions because we have so much external pressure from the outside world saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to become? Where are you going to work? How are you going to pay for your house? How are you going to do this? All this external pressure, and it drowns out oftentimes this internal whisper of God saying, wait a minute, let me tell you something that's more important than that. It's who are you going to be? Who you are is more important than what you do. And actually, it's much easier to figure out the right thing to do if you become the right kind of person. So I've got a very simple truth for you today about the, the, the who before you do, and it's this. I'll just give it to you in plain writing. It's written straight in the Bible what does God want you to do? Here it is. Here's God's will. I'm about to read for you God's will. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells you what God's will is. God's will is for you to be holy. That's God's will. What is God's plan for my life? I wish I just knew what God's plan for my life was. God's plan for your life is that you be holy. That's God's plan. That has everything to do with who you are. You know what's amazing when you read through the New Testament? You never find one time in the entire Bible where Jesus declared someone's career. Thus says the Lord, you will be mailman. <laughs> Did you ever, just read it. Read the Gospels. Read all four Gospels. Read everything that Jesus ever said to anybody. And Jesus never said, therefore you shall be, you know, accountant or you shall be IT manager. Never once will you find Jesus declaring someone's occupation. But he did say, you shall be holy. And here's what holiness means. Holy means set apart. It means set apart for God's purposes, and it means different than the world. You're going to live according. To, the world has a pattern that it lives by, and what he's saying is you're not going to live by that pattern. You're going to live by God's pattern and the kingdom pattern. It's a different way to live. So it's not just what do I do on Sunday morning at 10. No, no. It's like how do I live my life every day? Who am I? You are to be holy. You are not to be driven by the values of the world. You are to be driven by the purposes of God. So Jesus is not as focused on our career as he is our character. Matter of fact, the only time Jesus ever mentions anybody's career in the New Testament is when he told them to put it aside and follow him. So now, by now, the question has to be in your mind, so what am I supposed to do? Just not work and be hungry and homeless and holy? Is that what God wants? No, that's not what God wants. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm in college. Should I change my major? What's your major? My major's holiness. <laughs> no, your major shouldn't be holiness. And if it is, I'm very worried about you. 
It doesn't mean that a job's not important. It means that it's not the most important thing. It doesn't mean that a career's not important. It means it's not the most important thing. Who you, do, who, who you are is the more important question than what you do. So we oftentimes ask this question, what does God want me to do? We need to ask the question, who does God want me to become? Remember, it's the who before the do. So I'm going to ask you a question I'm very nervous to ask you. Just be honest. How many of you think it's God's will for me to be a pastor? It's very mixed. We were much clearer on the other questions. Here's the thing. It's not God's primary will for me to be a pastor. That's God's secondary plan for my life. God's primary plan for my life is to be holy. And so imagine if, if for some freak imagination I could ever figure out a way to become the best pastor in the entire state of Alabama, but I abused my family, I was a habitual liar, I stole money, I was driven by materialism, and I angled myself in every way that I could to forward my platform and be famous. Can I tell you, Jesus would so much rather me do any other vocation for life and have integrity than be a pastor and do that? You know why? Because his plan for my life is that I would first be holy. And the do will flow out of the who. Then it becomes an extension of who you are. We make this mistake, I think, a lot of times. And particularly the younger we are, the more often we have this way of thinking that misleads us. And it says, hey, this is just the job I'm in now. When I get my real job, oh, you just wait, man, I'm going to kill it. I'm just paying the bills today. Or, I mean, this is, I, we're just hanging around dating a little bit. You know, I, this isn't real serious. When I get serious with someone, I'll become a much better partner. Yeah, good luck on that. Or, or you, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of, when I get my real career, that's when I'm really going to lean in and do, when I get my real uh, partner, when I really get married, when I, when I start making real money, you know, this is just little pay the bill money, but when I start making real money, wait till you see how good I'm going to manage it. That's what we think. I'm just kind of, it's okay that I do this now. Here's some better questions that we should be asking, okay? But finding your, listen to this, finding your do is not going to change your who. Because you are who you are. And don't think when you get a better job or a better girlfriend or a better boyfriend or a better marriage or a better career or a better education or a better anything else that it's going to make you somebody different than you already are. You are who you are. And you're not going to just wake up one day and become something different and correct years of habits that have been mediocre or passive or, or lack integrity. Integrity doesn't come with your career. It comes with your character. And that's, that's a whole different thing. So sometimes we ask questions like this. Hey, should I stay in this job or should I move to another job? That's not a bad question. Let me give you a better question. No, a better question is, are you, are you being a faithful 
employee, employer, manager, whatever your role is, are you living in integrity and honesty and, and, and do you have a good work ethic? Are you cheating the company where you are? Who are you where you are? That's a better question. We ask the question, you know, is this person that I'm dating, is this the person maybe, maybe I should look to to marriage or not? Let me, that's a good question. Let me ask you a better question. The better question is, are you living in purity and integrity and becoming a less selfish person in this relationship today? That's a much better question than is this the right person or is this not the right person? Or what about this major that I'm taking? Is this the right major? Let me, let me give you a better question. That's a good question. Let me give you a better question. A better question is, are you doing your homework? Are you studying for the test? Are you, are you, are you growing and learning and getting better? Or is ChatGPT doing all your homework for you? I'm not saying don't leverage technology when it's appropriate. Yes, do that. That's actually smart. I'm saying, is your character being formed where you are? Because don't think that when you, you get out of college or whatever, the next thing, we always think at the next stage, I'm going to be a superhero. <laughs> Today, I'm just going to be you know, a sloth. I'm just going to cut corners and do things in my favor, but you just wait. You just wait till this happens. I'm going to blow up. Your chance at finding what you're supposed to do is, is, um, is always connected to who you're supposed to become. So who before do? Now here's the second one. You ready? Dr. Seuss has another word for you today. Why before what? There are two reasons that uh, people say for doing something. There's the reason that sounds good, and there's the real reason. <laughs> Right? We all know the right, we all know the reason. We're so good at espousing good reasons for what we do, but mixed reasons for what everybody else does. Aren't we? We're so good at saying, oh, no, 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 you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what my intention was. It was so good. It was so holy. It was so good. But we look at other people and go, oh, I know why they did that. Oh, I know why she wore that. Did you hear what he, I know, let me tell you, I know that's what he said, but let me tell you why he said it. It usually comes with this right here too. How, how is it that backwards? Shouldn't we be less critical of other people's motives and more suspicious of our own? Yes, we should. It's the why before the what. Proverbs 16, 2 says it like this. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Let me go ahead and set one thing clear right now. Ladies, that includes you. It's not just, I know it says man's, but it's woman's also. It's all God's children. Now let me tell you what the verse means. All man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. We all think that we do things for the right reasons. That's what this verse says. We think all of the things we do, we do them for the right reasons. But what Proverbs tells us is it's not that simple. We have behind the scenes motives that are working. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9 in the New Living Translation. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? <laughs> That's terrible. 
Who really knows how bad it is? Nobody. It's that bad. It's so bad, nobody knows how bad it is. You know one of the most deceitful things in the whole planet? Your heart? That's, that's, that's a powerful and difficult truth to wrap our minds around, but it does tell us that we have to spend time examining our own hearts and testing our motives. And let me just say this to you, by the way, okay? What does this have to do with divine direction? I'll tell you what it has to do with it. When you examine your heart and you get clearer about your true motives, not your espouse motives, not the ones that make you look good, but your true motives, you know what happens? That is one of the greatest paths to inner healing because you can more clearly see where you need healing. Number two, it's also an incredible discernment device that helps you to find God's direction for your life because now you can more clearly see the difference between what you want and what God wants. You ever, you ever thought God wanted something that you just wanted? It really wasn't him all along, it was you? We won't even ask you to raise your hand on this one. But, you, but it's true. We've all had that dilemma where we said, hey, look, I think that God wants something for me. And man, as the years shook it out, it was just you or me. I, I, when I was a teenager, I thought God wanted me to go to Germany to be a missionary. Now that's not you know, real selfish, <laughs> right? So I thought, how could that be bad? At this, at this stage of my life, I'm fully convinced that I'm never going to Germany to be a missionary. But that's what I thought. I thought God wanted me to plant a church. But at this stage today, I'm pretty convinced that I'm not gonna ever plant a church. That's what I thought God wanted. There was a, um, about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, I, I, w I went through this period that I just began to be really interested in um, like house shopping. So I would lay, uh, at night I'd lay in the bed on my phone and I'd just be scrolling, you know, houses. And I'd say, oh man, isn't that a beautiful house? Wouldn't that be great? Or I'd see a piece of land, I'd say, man, it wouldn't be great to build a house on that land. And, and, I, and it was so, I'd never done that in my life. I mean, when I knew I was going to move, I'd shop, you know, it's because you have to, you have to move, you have to have somewhere to live, but I never like have proactively done that. I've never just said, man, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't that a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful, and I just became fixated and, and I would do this day after day after day or, or every few days and I just became fixated over time on, man, wouldn't it be great to have, you know, this house or that house or whatever. And it became such a thing that it, it, it began to weigh on me. It began to confuse me and weigh on me. And I thought, why am I, why do I care? Like, why does this matter to me? Why has this become a thing? Fortunately, I have a friend that I talk to about things like that. And so I went to talk to my friend. I said, hey, there's this thing that's been happening in my life and I don't know why it's happening, but I'm just like fixated on, you know, buying a house and moving and, you know, what that would be like. And it's, it's like dreamy to me. And, and I kind of snapped to my, and I thought, you know what? I, 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 here's what kind of was the catalyst of the conversation I had. I said, I figured out, I don't really want a house. I don't want to take care of the one I got. 
so I'm pretty sure that I really don't want another one. Because I already know what's broken at my house. But if you buy a new one, I got no idea what's broke over there. You know you see what I'm saying? And, and so I kind of snapped to my sister and said, what is this about? And so, and I began to realize something's going on inside me that I don't understand. So I talked to my friend about it. I said, what, 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 what's going on? And as we processed it, I began to realize a few things. About a year before that, my mom had died. And a few months after that, I had moved my wife into the nursing home. And I realized that I just wanted to escape. I was just tired of hurting. And I just subconsciously thought if I could change my circumstances, maybe I could get away from some of my pain somehow. And that's how it showed up in this fixation with, you know, maybe, maybe I can do something about this. Maybe I can work this grieving out somehow. And I also realized uh, through this conversation that one of the things that had happened is I was reprioritizing my life. I was on this in, inward journey to try to figure out what really matters to me. Like for the first time in years, I've got a little extra space. What do I want to do with it? And as I walked through that process, I realized something. I don't want a house. I want to make a difference. So I just stayed where I was. And I'm so glad I had the space to process it because here's one of the things that I was saved from. One of the dumbest decisions I've ever made in my life. That was not But what I'm saying is you and I have to examine our own hearts. We have to figure out not just what do we do, why are we doing what we do? Why do we do what we do? Because the why is so much more important than the what. It's so much more important to God. Why do you want the career you want? Is, is it just so, uh, just so you can you know, have, a, have a certain lifestyle? Why, why do you want to do the job that you want to do? And look, don't just give yourself the most honorable answers possible, the most honorable sounding reasons. You have to search your heart. Why? Why do you want to do the things that you want to do? Is it because you want to be famous? You want to be respected? You want to be rich? You want to pursue a certain lifestyle that you see on social media? You want affirmation? You want validation? Maybe like me, you want to escape? Why do you want to do the things that you want to do? It's so important. You can't pursue God's purposes and not, and not honor him. We can't we can't pursue purposes, let me say it this way, we can't pursue purposes that God doesn't honor and expect divine direction. So the why is critical. God's not gonna help you take a journey toward, toward improper inner motives in your own life. He's gonna re-steer you in the right way. So it's a difficult place to get right because we have to we have to start inside. It's very difficult for you to find the place God wants you to go or the thing God wants you to do if your motives are wrong. You can't land at the right place if you're going there for the wrong reason. So maybe you say, you know what, I, I want to buy a car. Great. Do you want to buy the car because you want to make a statement? Or do you want to buy the car because you need transportation? Uh, I think I'm going to post this picture 
on social media? Why are you posting the picture? Is it something that's going to honor God, or are you posting it because you want to, you know, get attention and get likes? I mean, you, you know if you check the like button every five minutes, we know what it is, right? Only got 38 likes? Well, why did you post it? To get attention? Well, what's your, what's your motive? Or maybe this, I'm going to, oh, I, I see this statement or I see this thing, I'm going to jump in and comment. Just stop. Can I just start there? What's your motive for making the comment? Is it to honor God in some way or is it to show everybody how smart you are? What's the motive? Because your why, if your why's wrong, it's never going to lead you to the right what? Colossians 3.17 says it like this. And whatever, whatever, (laughs) and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Everybody say all. all. That's everything. That covers it. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, wherever you are, serve Jesus there. Because here's what God is doing. He is growing the character inside of you today that will support the weight of the thing he wants you to do tomorrow. But if you don't get the character right today, you won't be able to carry it. And by the way, that's one of the problems we have in the church today. It's called celebrity Christianity. We have leaders who are rising in the church today who have the skill to do the things, great things for God, but they don't have the character to carry the weight of the leadership when it all rises. So what you're seeing is a lot of crumbling and a lot of falling and a lot of house of cards crumbling down because we've tried to build a church on ability and not on character. Right? And so it might not be as flashy and it might not be as pretty, but give me the church on character over the church on on ability and skill. Now, let me tell you something. I don't want to make some false comparison here for you. You actually don't have to choose. You can have character and skill. And actually, God wants you to have both. He wants to take excellent skill and put it on top of exceptional character. And man, you have a lethal combination then. You have an impact now. So don't, don't get sucked into this thing that you have to trade. You know, I'm just being holy. You know, I don't, I don't have to do anything that matters because I'm working on my holiness right now. That's hogwash. God called you to produce fruit. Right? He called this church to be fruitful. So we've got to both increase in skill, but skill is a terrible substitute for character. Terrible. So we just can't let our skill outrun our character. And God doesn't want you to. So what do you do? Well, you just start getting better where you are. 
You just start doing things with more integrity and you start letting God work on your motives and work on your heart and your character and examine yourself and lay yourself open before him and say, God, I don't know what's next and maybe I don't need to know what's next, but I do know what's coming tomorrow. I know, I know what Monday is and I can be the best person I can be for you Monday and you'll be surprised if you'll do that, how you'll end up in the right place. We always want God, I think partly the reason we want God to tell us, you know, what, what we're supposed to do is so we can like set it as a goal and then work backward toward it. Like, okay, that's the goal. I'll get there. I'll do it. Move God. That's all I needed. All I needed was a goal. Thanks. Like, like God's a goal dispenser. And what God's saying is, no, I'm probably not going to give it to you. Why don't we work on Monday? and Tuesday, and then after that, we'll look at Wednesday. And then we'll just round on to the weekend, Thursday and Friday. And by the way, when you're off work, like there's some good character formation that can happen on Saturday and Sunday too. Why don't we work on where we are, and as you do, it'll be amazing how God will open the road up to you. Things will become clearer, and you'll begin to see. Maybe today you say, you know what, hey, I work at Chick-fil-A. Or I work at an entry-level position somewhere. I'm just in school. Or I'm stuck in this job. Listen, focus on becoming the person God wants you to be there. And then you will grow into the person that God wants you to be next. For the next role. But you and I can't get there on our own. So focus on becoming the person God wants you to be, doing things in a God-honoring way. You know, show up on time and don't cheat the company and do your homework and tell the truth, even when it doesn't make you look good, especially when it doesn't make you look good. We say, I need to know what God's called me to do. Well, I've given you one. He's called you to be holy. Let me give you one more that I'm 100% convinced that God's called you to do. He's just called you to love. We always think, man, listen, we're all kind of stuck in this low-rate job or this class or this whatever this structure is that you're in with these people, and you go, these aren't my real people. These are just the people that I work with for a year or two or three. They're not real people. They're not the real people. They're not my real tribe that I'm really going to hang with. You know, I don't see myself with them in five or ten years, so it's okay how I treat them. No, it's not. Because, because that says everything about your heart and your character. So I know one thing. I know God's called you to love the people you're with now whoever they are, whatever their problems are, to genuinely care and show the love of God where you are. So let me just summarize it like this. Becoming the right who, God will help you to find the right do. When you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. We had a, um, an amazing event that happened in our church this past week that many of you probably don't even know about and, and didn't know this person. We had a funeral. And the reason I say that it was amazing, a funeral's never amazing because of what it means. Some, someone's been lost. But it was an amazing celebration because of who the person was. It was a man named Alan Hawkins. 
that I, I bet most of you, those of you online, may have never heard his name. But Alan Hawkins was a beautiful example of a man who put the who before the do. When we were at his funeral this week, very few people talked. We talked a little bit about what he did. He was, a, he was a veteran in the military, talked a little bit about his career. But you know what most of the whole funeral is about? The conversation from the stage and the conversation in the back lobby and in all the rows. You know what the conversation was about? Hey, let me tell you about this time. That, you know, Alan did this or did the other thing. Or let me tell you how he treated me. Let me tell you the kind of person that he was. That's what the whole thing was about. Let's talk about what kind of person he was. Alan Hawkins became a Christian at 32 years old. I'll just tell you this one thing about him so you can kind of get an idea who he was. He became a Christian at 32. He walked into this church, and this is the only church that he ever was a part of his whole life. 60 years later, he went to heaven. He, he was a part of this church for 60 years. I don't know a pastor that's been at the same church 60 years. He lived his whole life in this community of faith and, and many of you don't even know his name. He never promoted himself, but he was rock solid for Jesus. I'm talking about rock solid. And when, when I think about his life, it's so inspiring to me that I go, that's what I want to, that's who I want to be. I don't even really know most of what Alan did. Like for a job, I don't really even know most of that. But I'm, I'm real clear on who he was. And when I look at his life, I go, man, that's who, that's who I want to be. I want to be like him. He got it right. He got the, and you know what? You can look, his family, generation after generation after generation, his family is, is in this community of faith and you can see his effect on their life and his testimony and legacy. One of the strongest legacies I, I've ever known. And you wouldn't even know, unless you met him, you wouldn't know he was here because he never promoted himself, he was quiet. But what a, what a godly man and what a godly example and what an amazing person who lived his who over his do. Would you stand with me? Those of you who are um, worshiping online with us, our prayer team's been praying for you today and they would love to pray with you now specifically. And so if you have a prayer need or a prayer request, you could just put prayer requests in the comments or you can actually you know, type out a specific need and a prayer team member live right now is gonna join you there and pray with you. And for all of us today, um, I can't think of a more confusing time that I've ever lived in than the time we live in now. We need direction. We need direction from the Father. We need direction from God like, like no other time I know. So as we pray this morning in worship, would you just um, lift your heart, lift your voice. We're going to sing this song together. Holy Spirit, I pray as we sing once more that you would draw us, that whisper, that inner whisper I talked about would become louder in these next few minutes than the external screams that we hear from our society. And God, I pray that you would, you have, you have established today divine appointments. And I pray that you would, um, you would do those this morning as we sing now and then move to prayer in Jesus' name.